Lord, we thank you for your word. And God, we thank you, Father, for the chance, Lord. I pray that each person here took full advantage of just getting into your throne room. Lord, of laying at your feet, Father, of giving you the praise that you're due, Father. Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, that you convicted hearts where they need convicted, Lord. God, we know that worship is so much more than just singing a song, Lord. It's an opportunity for you to work in our hearts, to prepare the soil, Lord, to do the work, God, of, that only you can do in us. God, of saying, you know, you're singing that song. Do you mean those words? Lord, you do the work so often of saying, yeah, you're singing this song, but let's deal with this before you keep singing this. And God, I'm thank, I thank you, Lord, that you're so faithful to use everything. And Lord, that all of this, including reading your word and studying your word and chewing on it, Lord, it's all worship to you. And so God, I pray, Father, that we would take full advantage every day, God, but especially today. Lord, your Sabbath, Lord, that we would, I don't know, Lord, just take advantage of stepping into the sacred things, God. And that sounds so churchy, God, but just, this is special. And Lord, you've anointed this time, Lord. And so God, I pray, Father, that we wouldn't miss out. But Lord, that we would step into it, Lord, with, Lord, not just step into it. Lord, that we would cannonball into it, God. And just trust, Lord, that you've got something here for us today. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So you guys, last week, you guys remember, we looked a lot at this idea of the disciples worrying about who was the best, right? Who was gonna be the greatest? And we talked a lot about that. And we looked about the fact that if you wanna be the greatest in God's kingdom, Jesus made it clear, you better be the least and serve everyone. That's, that's your job if you wanna be the greatest in the kingdom. We learned that we need to protect, love, and be gracious to the little children and to believers, to fellow believers, and finally, you guys, if you remember, we looked at the fact that Jesus loves all humanity and doesn't want anyone to go astray. And so we need to love those that are around us with everything that we have. And so kind of keeping that in mind of where we're at, we're in the middle of a conversation that Jesus is having, and we got to keep that context. Today, we're going to be looking at a pretty hard subject. We're going to be looking at how to deal with conflict. We're going to be looking at how to deal with an offense, biblically. I'm going to say that again. We're going to look how to deal with an offense biblically. Keyword, biblically. <laughs> We're going to look at what it looks like to not be forgiving and gracious. And it's not pretty. And so let's dig in. Chapter uh, 18, verse 15. You guys ready? Let's do this. Good. I'm glad you guys all answered. Thank you. <laughs> verse, verse 15 says this. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his fault. How? Between you and him alone. Or, let me change that up, since in the Greek it actually reads more this way. Between you and, and him or her alone, right? You deal with it by yourselves. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. Those are pretty strong words. So you guys, this teaching is an important one for relationships in general, wouldn't you say? Can I say something? 
I think that it's an important one for relationships in general, but I think it's one that the church needs to hear over and over and over again. I think it's a thing that we all need to examine in our own hearts over and over and over again. Why? Because if I'm being really honest, we stink at following this, don't we? I hear two people. You guys, this is not a joke, right? I, I mean, I'm, I'm kidding around, right? It is a joke, but I'm just saying like this subject is not a joke. This is, this, this breaks down, like not following this rips churches apart. Not following this causes friendships that have been around for years and years to be ended. It's important. There's weight in what we're hearing and what we're reading, you guys. And so I think we really need to look at this. But before we get into this, it's important for us to remember that this isn't the entirety of Scripture. This is one little chunk of one book of the 66 books of Scripture. We need to keep the entirety of Scripture in mind. So let's flip over. Flip over with me to the book of Colossians. The old book of Colossians. Chapter 3. Colossians 3, starting in verse 12, it says this. This is what we as Christians are called. It says, therefore, as the elect of God, what does that mean? It means you've chosen to believe in Christ. You're elect before him. Holy and beloved, put on. That literally means make it part of who you are. Wear it like a coat. Put it on. Put on what? Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. So we have a clearly defined pattern of how an offense is supposed to look like back in Matthew. Jesus makes it clear like, hey, if you've got a problem with a brother or, you know, sister, you got a problem with another sister or however that looks, how do you do it? You go one-on-one. If it's not dealt with there, you bring two or three. If it's not dealt with there, you bring it before the church. That doesn't mean you just start talking to everybody in the church. We're going to talk about that. But there's a process. But can I say, before we even start into that, what's your first job, Christian? Forgive. Forgive. Because, guys, I don't know, man. I feel like here we are, and and I love God's just so good, and I love the way Calvary Chapel does it, and we don't have it right where other churches don't. But I love the fact that we just get to go through scripture verse by verse by verse. And as we get to places, we read about it. And I think today, there's just like every part of this Bible, there's not one part of this that's not applicable to today. And so as we're reading today, can I tell you in the, in the offense culture that we're in, we need to hear this. In the Facebook culture that we're in, we need to hear this. And guys, This isn't a message that says like, oh, the world needs to hear this. They need to get their act straight. No, we need to hear this. We need to get our act straight. And so guys, today I want to say that's, this is where we need to start. Listen, if you've got an offense or a slight that's been done against you, the first question you need to ask is, is this even worth a discussion? That's the first question. Because I don't know about you guys. But a lot of times, 
listen, as a pastor, I love what I do, but like you're pretty wide open. And so people will come up and like, I used to have a really long beard and I had people come up to me and be like, your beard is ugly. Like, oh, it's so gross. And I'm like, hey, that hurts. I'm crying in my beard right now. There's tears streaming through my hair, my very long hairs. It hurt. But was it worth having a discussion? No, not really. Who cares? It's hair. Do you get my point? If it was worth a discussion, I need to follow the biblical mandate of how I deal with that. I don't need to go to everybody else and be like, do you know what so-and-so said about me? I don't need to bring my posse with me. I don't need to do those things. If if it really offends me that bad, I need to go one-on-one and be like, hey, look, I don't complain about your chin hair, lady. (laughs) Chill out on my beard, right? (laughs) By the way, I have never said that, nor will I ever. (laughs) But you get my point. I don't have a right to be just as offensive. I don't have a right to just do that. But like, do you get my point? Like, I've got to weigh that and be like, is that offensive enough to me? No. 99% of the time, it's not. And so in the church, guys, it is turning the other cheek. My very bearded cheek, right? Like, it's just like, it's, it's okay. It's not worth an argument. It's not even worth a discussion. God, work in their heart. Help them to see that that was a mean comment. Or maybe not even that. Lord, give me thicker skin, right? Like, it's okay, I don't think that's what we're going to be discussing in heaven. You know, that one time you made a statement to me, really offended me. I didn't bring it up then because I was just trying to be nice to you, you jerk. You know, but like, but here we see in Matthew, Jesus lays out a process of how we're supposed to, within the church, deal with sins and offenses against us. But the very first thing, and I want to keep reiterating it, is what? Forgiveness. Forgiveness, you guys. Forgive. Really weigh in your heart. Is this even worth a discussion? Now, How do you deal with it? Well, Jesus makes it clear. You go to your brother or your sister and you deal with it alone. Alone. And can I just say this? How does that happen? Bathed in prayer. Lord, that really hurt my heart. God, should I even talk about this? Okay, yeah, I I think maybe I should because there's bitterness building up in me. There's an ought in my heart against that person. I don't want to go talk to them because they annoy me or that hurt my heart or whatever. That becomes that moment where you're like, yeah, maybe it would be good for me to go and have a discussion with them. And can I just tell you what I I love what it says here in scripture because he says, like, what's the gain? If that person hears you, you've gained a brother or a sister. You've, You've gained that relationship back. You guys... 99, I really believe this firmly because I, I'm just being real, you guys. I'm a pretty blunt person. And there's a lot of people in this church that have probably had conversations with me where I'm like, yeah, I don't know, man. That, that, I just don't think that's right. And I, I'm kind of just that way. And, 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 it, and 99% of the time, people are like, man, I didn't know. I didn't know. that. Wow. And, and we work that through and we deal with it. And that's it. And no one's ever ever needs to know because it's not what it's about. But I'm so glad we were able to deal with it because I've gained that relationship with that person. And that person has a relationship with me too that they can come to me and be like, you know what? I'm offended. I need to talk to you about this. Or, or I see something in your life that's not right and I want to talk to you about that. And, we, and I, I pray that that's our relationship in this church. I pray that we have those relationships one with another because that fixes and brings together and knits together relationships, you guys. 
For anybody that's spent any time in the military, do you know how brotherhood of military members are born? Through trial and tribulation. Is it fun to go and be like, hey man, that really hurt my heart when you talked about my beard, you jerk. No, it's not fun. I'm making something funny up here. Let's bring something in real. Man, my wife was super offended when you said that. I really wish you wouldn't have said, I don't know, man. I don't know why. Where, that, where did that come from? Like, what was that about? And then the person's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. That wasn't my heart. No, please forgive me. It's over. You've been knit together. There's a relationship that's been built and strengthened in that, you guys. Why does that not happen more often? Two reasons. Number one, the whole church knows before the person knows. The whole, and guys, we are not immune to that. Why? Because we're humans. This church is the same set of humans as that church down there and that church over there and the Dover Baptist and every other church. We're all humans. But guys, can we just see what the Lord's saying here, what God's saying and say like, man, can we, can we do this in our lives? Can we be courageous and brave enough to be loving enough to each other to just deal with it one-on-one privately? Because I'm telling you guys, I believe this with all my heart. 99% of the time, that's gonna squelch it right there. And God has an opportunity to be praised in all of that because now someone realizes, man, listen, I am an offensive person, aren't I? I've, I've offended a lot of people in my life. Yeah, I hear people laughing because they're like, oh, yes, you are. That's right. Stop, drink. No. You guys, God has grown in me. And do you know how a lot of that growth has happened? Is because I've said things to people and they're like, man, that is that, wow, you could have been a lot gentler in your delivery on that one. And I'm like, oh, really? I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. And I've grown from that. So the next time I have a conversation, I'm a little bit more gentle in my delivery. If I had never been told that and everyone was just talking by my back, guess what? There would have been more people talking behind my back because I still would not have been gentle in my delivery. Does that make sense? You don't know what you don't know. And if we're walking around humbly saying, I'm just me without my plastic face, which means you're gonna get the dirt along with the good and you're gonna get the garbage along with hopefully some goodness in my heart. You're gonna get all of it combined. How do we work towards Christ? We be honest with each other and be like, I'm dirty too, but in this area, man, you got some work to do. And it, it hurts my heart. And I, I love that we can be a, a people like that because that is not what the world does, you guys. Yeah. Name work, one workplace that anyone's ever worked in this world that you haven't been stabbed in the back at least once. Mm-hmm. Here's the sad part. Name one church that you haven't been stabbed in the back at least once. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't be. Yeah. That should not be. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at here. And remember, they just got done with the conversation of who's the greatest. How much backstabbing might've been happening in that? You know what? Like Peter's like, man, you know, to Thomas, like, yeah, you and me, dude, I think we're actually gonna be better, but those guys, right? Like all these conversations that were happening that I'm just guessing, right? But this idea of like, can we be real and look at this and say, man, like, let's deal with this the way we should. What happens if they don't admit their wrongdoing? What happens? Because here's the reality, you guys, and I want to say this. This is not saying go to them with all of your guns blazing, right? You're like, pow, 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 pow. You are a horrible human being. And I'm awesome. <laughs> no, come with a humble heart to be like, maybe I misunderstood. Or maybe I even offended you to begin with. And maybe that's why you said this to me. 
or what? I don't know, but can we talk about that? Because I don't know how often I've gone to people and they're like, yeah, man, you said this and it kind of hurt my heart. And so I retaliated. I'm sorry about that. I shouldn't have retaliated. And then that gives me an opportunity to be like, man, I see what you're saying. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said what I said. Do you see what I'm saying? We have an opportunity to come humbly to one another and grow and glean and God gets the glory and all that. If that doesn't happen and they won't listen, it says grab one or two more people. Can I tell you this? This is not your posse, right? You're not like, I got my colors on. Man, we're going to go mess this guy up. Woo! Right? You're like showing up like, what now? <laughs> right? Like, no, that's not what he's saying. He's saying grab one or two people that are like, man, they're trusted, impartial, godly people. That's what he's saying. Who does that look like? Elders. Who does that look like? Well, can I tell you what it looks like, you guys and girls? If you're knowing and getting to know the women in this church, you're going to get to know those people that you're like, you know, you and you are the two ladies I'd like to come along to have this discussion because you know me and you know this person and I know you have a heart of love and you have a heart that just wants the truth to come out and you have a heart that wants to see reconciliation. That's what he's getting at. You bring people along, they're going to say, hey, we're here to listen and we're here to call out the garbage, whatever side that garbage lies on and maybe in both sides, right? Like that's, that's the idea of bringing one or two is that you're coming together to say, I want reconciliation here. I'm not coming here guns a-blazing again and now we got six or three people so we got, you know, six guns a-blazing. That's not the point. The point is we're coming and saying, please, Hear me, like I might be wrong in an area, but can I, can I, you really hurt my heart here. And I wanna talk to you about that. And I didn't bring them to be an offense. I brought them to be the, those people that are gonna be like, no, you're wrong in this, maybe. And that might be you that they're talking to as much as it could be the other person. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there's a process here. And not once in this process, you guys, is it meant to be beating people down. And again, I say, we are very guilty of those things in, this, in church as a whole, aren't we? And I, I just got to say, I think because we're full of humans here in this church, I would have to say we're probably the same on some level, aren't we? Yeah. I got to say this, you guys. I haven't witnessed this, witnessed this a ton in our church, and I'm so thankful for that because I've been part of churches that it seemed like that was a, you know, sport, a favorite pastime. And guess what? That church died. Because the more you stab people in the back, you're like, well, you've left bloody bodies everywhere. What do you expect that there's only three of you? What are you doing? You're the only ones that are stabbing the most. That's why you're the one standing. If that's the church we're going to be, we're going to die. I don't see that here with us, but I think that we, Satan, the enemy, would love to eat our lunch that way in five seconds. And so I think this is a very timely message because it's not just person to person, is it? We got Facebook. We got other ways that we can rip each other to shreds. We could private message someone and be like, did you see that person's post? What an idiot. Right? We can get offended because we saw somebody that we disagree with politically. Who cares? Do they know Jesus? If they don't, talk to them about Jesus. If they do, pray for them. And love them. They're Christian brother or sister in the Lord. Do you have to agree politically? You don't. That's what makes this country great. <laughs> We can disagree. Somehow that's been lost. It shouldn't be lost in here because what we agree on and what's unifying and what's the most important thing is Jesus. Always. It's all about Jesus. 
Everything else is not worth arguing about a lot of times. In my opinion. You're like, I disagree. I'm going to talk to you about that after. <laughs> Just do it privately. <laughs> you guys, what's to say at the end? If it's still... If this person still just doesn't want to hear, doesn't want to repent, the two or three people are like, no, this is the garbage that you're, that you're bringing to this conversation. And yes, you were wrong when you did that. And they're like, no, I did not. And I will not hear that. Well, what's the final straw? You take it to the church. You take it to the elders and the pastors, you guys. This does not mean that this is carte blanche permission to start talking to everybody. I don't want issues within our church body to be on prayer chains the real prayer chain or the private prayer chain? That one of like, we need to pray for sister so-and-so because you know. <laughs> well, we need to pray for you too, gossipy, right? Like, you get my point? No, this, this is a private issue. And I wanna say this, this is when you bring it to me. Not before then. And I, I need to clarify that because I've had people come to me and be like, I don't even know if this is an issue, but it's really bothering me. And can you pray with me about that? Okay, that's that's... I'm a pastor, I'm here to counsel. So yeah, we'll pray about that. But I will say a lot of times, either you, by the way, the name of this message, get over it (laughs) or you deal with it. Those are your two options. The only two options. Get over it, deal with it. What we won't do is have another conversation. You're either gonna have a conversation with that person or I don't wanna hear about it again until you've gone through this process. Does that make sense, you guys? And so there is a process, and I will tell you, I have zero problems going, redirect, go back and talk to him. I've even done this, you guys. I did this at another church. I picked up my phone. I'm like, oh, you're talking about Sister So-So? Let's call her. I got her number. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. And I'm like, oh, you don't want to deal with it? Well, then what are you talking to me about? I wasn't a pastor at the time. I was just a person. I'm like, I can call him right now. That's easy. Let's talk about it. Let's deal with it. You want a second person? I'm here. Let's talk. And they were like, no, 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 no. Oh, so you just want to talk about him. Mm, that's not right. Don't be afraid to do that, you guys. I'm just being real. Love people enough to be like, I've got their number. Let's do this. Or I'll give you the phone. Go in a room and talk. Don't talk to me about it. You want to squelch gossip? We need a church that does that. That isn't too afraid to be like, we will not play this game. Because I promise you something. If that person's willing to talk about someone else, they're probably talking about you too. And if you're the person that's talking about someone else, you probably talk about a lot of people and you will be known in this church eventually, Mr. Wolfie or Mrs. Wolfie, because that's what that is. It's a wolf. It's a way of acting like a wolf. You're trying to eat apart the sheep. Don't do that. Don't do that. Be real. Be loving. Be courageous enough to go and say, I've got a problem with you and I need to talk to you about that problem. And I might be part of the problem. And I want, I'm willing to hear that. Can we, can we talk about this? Man, I, I feel like we give the enemy so many footholds that he doesn't even need to work for you guys. And Jesus is making it clear, don't give him this foothold. Deal with it. The truth is, you guys, is that there is this idea of church discipline. And we're going to talk more about that. But what does it say here in verse 17? If he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church, which means tell it to the pastors. And I would take that to the board of elders. I would take that to our board and say like, hey, this is where this is done. This is the process they went through. It was biblical. It was right. And if it isn't, they would never find out about it because I would be like, go talk to them, (laughs) right? Like we're not here yet. Don't talk to me about it. 
go deal with them. And if you're not courageous enough to do that, well, then you're a coward. I'm, not, I'm really not trying to be rude, but can, I, can we just say that that's the reality of the situation? You guys, if we get to that point, there are forms of church discipline. There are times when this must happen. And that is something that does not, is not brought before anybody lightly. And it's bathed in prayer. Each step of this process should be bathed in prayer. Why? Because it is a sad and heartbreaking moment when you have to say to a brother or sister in the Lord, you will not repent. You will not realize what your part to play was in this. And so you can no longer fellowship here. And if it's an issue that is serious enough, that would be brought before the church to be like, do not have connection with this person. Because if you're treating to lunch, you're not allowing God to do the work in their heart that they need to do. Because this is a very real thing. And it really does happen. And so I just want to say this too, you guys. We get a lot of people from other churches. If I catch some wind in my heart that that person was not... It did, the process wasn't good with them leaving the church that they were a part of, I have no problem calling up that pastor and being like, hey, what happened? And if that person says, yeah, they're under discipline for this, and I don't need to know details, if they say they're under discipline for this, then I say to them, you can't be here either. And that might sound harsh, and you might think that's mean, but based on what I read in scripture, you guys, I think that's the process. Why? Because just like Paul said, I've sent so-and-so out. Why? To go figure it out in the world. You want to do drugs? Go do them out there. You want to do this? You want to be a, a wolf in here and try to like take all the women and take advantage of that? Go do it out in the world. Go to a bar. There are plenty of women that want to do that. Figure it out that you need Jesus. And then when you need that, when you're willing to repent of what you've done, we're here. We love you. We love you enough to say, go into the world if that's where you want to live. Don't stay here. Because we're all worldly people trying to find Christ and live like Christ more. And that's all we all are. We're not special. We're just saved. But if a person just is like, man, I want to dive into the world, well, go ahead, out there. If, you, if you're a struggling human being like the rest of us, walking with the Lord, well then, please, come in. Join the rest of us. Be part of our group. Grow and learn with the rest of us. That's the heart that we have as a church. If there's someone in here that's just trying to be in the world and corrupt everybody that they find, well, then you don't need to do that. Does that make sense? So there's a process we walk through. So Jesus wasn't saying that this should be the exact pattern for every sin and offense that the brother does against us, right? If I, before I was a pastor and I had my beard or whatever, which I guess I had my beard when I was a pastor, but say I wasn't, and someone offended me and I went to them and I'm like, hey, that really offended me that you talked bad about my beard and they didn't repent of that horrible sin, right? And so then I took two or one or two others and I brought them around and I'm like, man, you, you really, really hurt my heart. And I've got these two people here and notice they don't have beards, so they're not here as my posse. I'm just saying like, man, that really hurt my heart. I wish you wouldn't have said that. And that person's still like, man, I no, your beard is disgusting and I don't like it. And I'm like, whoa, you're wrong. And so then I go to the pastor with that. I would hope somewhere along, I would hope we wouldn't even make it that far because I'd be like, this is not something you bring before the church. <laughs> Does that make sense? This isn't even something you bring to other people. You just say... Sorry you don't like my beard. I like it. It's going to be longer. <laughs> Do you get my point? There's things that are worth bringing, and there's just things that aren't. 
And so that's something you and the Holy Spirit need to work out in your own heart. And again, we go back to Colossians, forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Let that be the rhythm of our life. Let that be the clarion call of our entire lives is that I love you. Did that hurt me? Yep. I really wish you liked my beard, but you don't. It's okay. Right? There's a quote here by David Guzik that I love that kind of sums up this whole chapter or this whole section here really well. It says this, we can say that Jesus gives us two options when your brother sins against you. You can go to him directly and deal with it, or you can drop the matter under Christian long-suffering and bearing with one another. Other options, holding on to bitterness, retaliation, gossiping to others about the problem, they're just not allowed. If you want to act like the world, do those things. If we as Great Bay Calvary want to be different, don't do those things. Be a church that's real with one another and loves one another enough and be a humble enough people to realize that we're all messed up people, me included. And so I want there to be a freedom for everybody to be able to be like, man, really wish you wouldn't. I mean, listen, how do you think I know that saying certain words from the pulpit are not cool? It's because people said, man, that's not cool. I really wish you wouldn't say that word that I'm not gonna say. And I was like, oh man, I didn't know, I'm sorry. And I'm working on not saying that word. Do you get it? It's that easy. And nobody here, nobody is above that. And it's such an awesome blessing to have a church that's real with one another, that takes off the plastic and says, I'm not perfect and neither are you. And let me tell you how you're not perfect in this particular moment, right? Like you hurt my heart. You guys, again, to simplify this whole section, you can either deal with it biblically or get over it. There's no other option. Verse 18, assuredly, I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Again, this is one of those sections of scripture, again, that a lot of times the health and wealth gospel people, those people will take these and they'll be like, that means that I can ask God for a Ferrari and I'll agree with someone for that Ferrari. Whoa, I'm getting a Ferrari. No. That's not what they're getting at. Keep the context. What is he talking about? Authority. He just got done saying, listen, if you apostles, if you church leadership says that someone needs to go out into the world and live there, then what you're binding is bound. In other words, God's like, if you followed my law, if you're doing your very best all the way through the process to to bring reconciliation and to try to love someone well enough and you get to a point where you have to kick them out of the church, that's bound in heaven. He looks at the same thing and says, yep, I'm with you. I agree with that. If, if, if the process was followed biblically, which at times it's not. But I can tell you this, you guys, that's not something I ever wanna have to deal with and I have had to deal with it already once. It's not fun. It it stinks. That word, oh Lord. Stinks does not, it's not the right word. Anyway, it's not fun. We don't want to get there, you guys. And I don't think we have to get there. Very, if if ever, very often, because we can deal with it one-on-one and deal with it right there. Cut the head off the snake and be done with it. That's my prayer. The idea of binding and loosing, you guys, we already discussed this in Matthew 16, 19. You guys remember that? 
What is bound and loosed? What does that mean? Remember, it's the appropriate response. You're bound or you're loosed was, was basically like, what was the pro- appropriate response to the law of Moses? That was what it was dealing with. It had nothing to do with some overly like, whoa, this is like super ethereal. And if I want a Ferrari, it's going to fall out of the sky because I'm loosing it. That's not, that's not what it's getting at. It's talking about the appropriate response. And we talked about this idea of like how binding was prohibiting or forbidding people according to the law of Moses and loosing was permitting or allowing people according to the law of Moses. And it was a complicated process. You guys remember this story? What happens if your dog dies in your house? Is your house clean or unclean? It's unclean. What if the dog dies outside your house? Is your house clean or unclean? It's clean. Your house is clean. That was the rule. What happens if your dog dies outside your house Sitting on the doorstep. Hmm. That was the hard part. That was where the binding and loosing came in. This is actually literally written in the Talmud. This was something they answered and dealt with. This was the binding and loosing process, you guys. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. If the dog dies in your house, on your doorstep, the rabbinical ruling on this, the, the binding and the loosing process for this from the rabbis was this. If your dog died on your steps with his nose pointing Towards the house, your house was unclean. You were bound to the law. You needed to spend the time and do all the ritual and clean your house. If your dog died on the steps of your home with his nose pointing away from your house, your house was clean. So right when it's dying, you're like, boop, like kick his little nose that way. Sorry, buddy, I love you. I'm sorry you're dying, but I don't want my house to be unclean. It's ridiculous, right? No, I would never kick my dog. I heard you say Winston. We have a little Yorkie. She's like, oh, poor Winston. Like, I'm going to kick my dog. I love that dog. His name is Winston Churchill. That gives you an idea of who owns our home. You guys, I'm just getting to the point that when we look at the, the modern day idea and the teaching of this binding and loosing, it just doesn't line up biblically. What is it talking about biblically? What is it talking about specifically in this context? He's saying, listen, if you've gone through this process and you get to the point of church leadership being there, that's why I say, if you come to this church from another church and you're under discipline at that church, I'm not gonna step in the way of what God has bound. Because if that church has gone through the process and they come to that point, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, you need to figure that out. If you want to serve, be here at this church, that's fine. But here's what you need to do first. Go and repent and reconcile with that pastor and that church. You need to do that before you can come in here. Because you guys know, and anybody that's been here knows, listen, I have zero problem, and I say this every time. If someone's like, hey, I used to go to such and such church, my very first question is, did you talk to the pastor? Yeah. Have you had a conversation with the pastor? Because the reality is, is that you need to leave well. I would appreciate you guys if you feel called to another church here. Come talk to me. I think I'm pretty easy about it. You know why? Because it's not about Great Bay Calvary. It never has been. And it's definitely not about me. What it's about is God's kingdom. And God moves people from church to church and moves them on. And man, if that's done in a healthy way, it's awesome. It's awesome to be able to say, God, be with you. Go and bless that next congregation with the giftings that God's given you. And yeah, we're going to miss you, but I've got an eternity to hang out with you. I'm not worried about it. When people just drop off and you're texting them and they're not answering, you're like, what's up? And then you find out they're at another church. You're like, it's not the same. It's not discipline, but it's heartbreaking because you're like, whoa, you thought so little of us. It's kind of how it comes off. 
And so if you're here from another church and you haven't had that conversation or you lied to me and told me you did, I'm just going to say it one more time. Go talk to your pastor, your old pastor, and say to that person, I love you. And I'm really being blessed here at this church. And I'm sorry I didn't handle it right. Forgive me. And then say, bye. It's okay. Does that make sense, you guys? It's really not rocket science. So, notes, 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 got lots of them. Verse 20 says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Again, we got to keep the context here. The context of the conversation Jesus was already having. He's addressing at this point what's happening to a person that refuses to submit or repent. And so what he's saying is like, again, he's trying to speak to this idea of church authority. I, as the pastor of this church, am not going to be ever the sole person that just says, you, you're out. Leave. We don't want to see you again until you repent. That's not my job. I would be, I mean, do I have the authority to do that? I guess technically, but would I? No. No. Who am I? I would take that to the board. And we have a great board. We have guys that are seeking the Lord together, trying the best to say, man, Lord, what do you have for us as a church body? And so we would all come together and I would bring the issue to them and say, man, let's pray about this. Let's seek the Lord on this because it's heartbreaking. And whatever decision we would come to where two or three are gathered, do you get it? I'm there in the midst. He's gonna give us an answer. And at that answer, we would go forward. And that's what this verse is getting at. That's what Jesus is trying to say. He's like, I'm there in your midst. You're not alone, church leadership. If you followed the process and church members have brought this before you, that's a scary thing and it's a humbling thing and it's a terrifying thing to be like, oh Lord, I, I don't wanna be responsible for having to kick this person out. And so you go to a group of people and you pray about it. And the process here at this church would be the board members. And we might even pull in a few other guys that are elders and just say, Lord, would you join us in prayer on this? And no, you better not ever even talk to your wife about this. This needs to stay in this room. And we're going to pray about it and seek the Lord about it. And whatever the answer is, is the answer we're going to go with. And I'm just being real with you guys as a church so you understand the process. Unless it was something that dealt with our children, unless it was something that really, 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 really did harm to our church, you probably wouldn't know about it. And when you say, hey, where did so-and-so go? You'd be like, yeah. And that'd be about all you'd hear about it. Does that make sense? Is that right or wrong? I don't, I don't know. I think it's the best we can do. I think it's the best of trying to understand and parse this scripture out and say, that's our process. Does that make sense? Because none of this is easy, you guys. None of this is easy. It's not easy to go talk to a brother or sister, but that's way easier than getting it to the point where the church has to kick somebody out. Do you understand? So you do the legwork and do the hard work so that I don't have to do that hard stuff. Honestly, does that make sense? But I'm willing to do it. I know our board's willing to do it if we have to. The context tells us that, it, look, if there's a biblical way to do this, here's the point. How are we supposed to treat them? Like they're unsaved. If someone has such a heart of unrepentance, that's literally what he's saying. Treat them like a tax collector and a heathen, meaning an unbeliever, a person that doesn't believe. Just treat them like, man, you're lost right now. Like you're lost. What does that mean for their salvation? I don't know. Because I believe that Jesus saves once. He died once for us. How does all that look? I don't know. 
I don't know. But I'll tell you this. I'm a firm believer that God saved me. I'm also a firm believer that God says, Jesus says, like, abide in me. I am the true vine. If I'm abiding and I have a repentant heart, I don't ever have to worry about being there. I would be very concerned if I'm being kicked out of a church. You should be. That's the point. It's to pull your head out and say, that's not a very nice way of saying that. <laughs> sorry. Lord, I, too much military. I'm sorry. It's, it's to say, like, open up your eyes. That's a better way of saying it. Open up your eyes. Realize that you're walking a very slippery slope. Stop. Turn around. Own that you're not a perfect human being either. Deal with it. Repent. Because then we're in fellowship and there's no problem. What else was God saying through this? I believe this. Where two or three are gathered, he's saying to the disciples, who, oh, by the way, are going to have Judas to deal with in just a few short months, saying to people as they go out and progress and after Jesus is far gone, hey, man, even if you've got two or three people left in your church because so many people left because they were offended that this person got kicked out or however all that looks, where two or three are gathered, I'm there. In other words, stay faithful. Stay faithful to me and follow my rule. Follow my direction. That's what he's saying. And so I think it's a comfort to us too. There is value, you guys, in fellowship and has nothing to do with the size of the fellowship. If someone's being disciplined and removed, it should break their heart and it should break your heart. Yet, the reality is, you guys, is that for many, this has become a verse that means that they don't really need fellowship. Again, we've taken these scriptures and we've twisted them, haven't we? Well, I go out on lunch dates at least once a month. Good for you, that's not church. Well, I meet with two or three others and we talk about the Holy Scriptures. Good for you, that's not church. Right? That's all good. That's called Bible study. Good for you. I'm glad you're doing that. Keep doing that and come to church. Church is not a legalistic thing you come to. Church is a lifeline. Church is a chance to come and be with real with somebody and get your edges knocked off, right? And to knock other people's edges and to practice, you know, what it is to serve and learn what your spiritual gifts are. It's, it's so much more than just this one little thing of listening to some guy talk. It is so much more than that. It is so necessary and so needed, you guys. And I feel like we've used this scripture, well, where two or three are gathered. Yeah, that's so true. That's awesome. That is not what Jesus had in mind, is that you would never be part of fellowship. Why? Because if that's what he had in mind, you guys, we wouldn't have the verse that we have that says, do not neglect the fellowshipping of the saints, as some do. Don't do that. If that verse wasn't in the Bible, I might say, hmm, maybe that is what he meant. Since that verse is in the Bible, I know that it absolutely isn't what he meant. And so we can't take one scripture and be like, sure, that's good. We're explicitly told that in Hebrews 10, 25. Spurgeon had this to say about this verse. He said, two or three are mentioned, not to encourage absence, but to cheer the faithful few who do not forget the assembling of themselves together as is the manner of some. If Spurgeon had a problem with it in his day, do you think it's changed? No, I'd say it's gotten worse. We need to be a church that is in fellowship one with another, that is known and knows people. And that only happens through time. Verse 22. Or 21, forgive me. 
You guys, <laughs> I'm going to stop. <laughs> I, I, I want to get through this parable, and this parable is so vital to this conversation, and so I really wanted to knock all this out together, but, but I also don't want to just rush through this parable. And at this point, you guys, I'm on like page five of my 10-page notes. <laughs> and I don't want to do God's word a disservice, amen? amen? And so can I just say something? We're going to talk again about this next week through the form of a parable. And we're going to look at the similar situation, and maybe that's just the way God wanted it to go. But can I encourage us, you guys? I love our church body. Amen. I love it. I love that we pretty much have a visitor every week. How does that happen? It's because people are like, yo, come to my church. It's cool. And it's not even about our cool church. It's not. It's about the fact that we're here and saying, man, here we are. A bunch of wretched sinners that know Jesus Amen. and want other people to know Jesus. Amen. And I love it. It is a beautiful thing. Amen. Amen. You guys, I just got to say, Steve and I have been praying. See, this is, I get time for monologues. <laughs> we had a, a weekend getaway, the board and I, and we went up to Laconia for a couple of days and just sought the Lord, spent time in prayer, spent time just seeking him for what God wants to do in this church body over the next year. And we were even thinking further ahead and like, oh God, what do you want to do? And we kept holding that verse very close to our chest of like, man, we make our plans and God directs our steps, right? We got nothing. But one thing that I know we all want, and when I say we all, I hope I mean we all, the church want is revival. I want to see God's church revived. And do you know how that happens, you guys? It doesn't happen by acting like the world. And it never happens if we're not different than the world around us. And I don't think it's by mistake that here we are in this scripture right now, ever. I don't think God's word comes back void. And I believe that it's for today. And so I don't know where each of you are, but can I say this? And I mean this in absolute love. I'm Facebook friends with a lot of y'all. And there's times you guys break my heart. <laughs> there's times when I'm like, man, that's offensive to me. And I even agree with you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, can we, can we stop for a second and realize that like, nobody cares. Nobody's, listen, if the church is raptured, you guys, nobody is gonna care who you voted for. Nobody is going to care where you stood on the vaccine. Nobody. If the church is raptured and all everybody knows about you is that you are an anti-vaxxer or a vaxxer, or you're like me and you're like, meh. If that's all everybody knows, we have missed it. And if that's all everybody's hearing right now, can I say something? I don't think the Holy Spirit's going to bring revival that way. I think it's when we're like, yeah, I'm, man, I bet you do have an opinion about that thing. Can I tell you about Jesus? Yeah. Man, I know you just got stabbed in the back and I will pray for you, but can I encourage you? Go talk to that person first. Mm -hmm. Go talk to that person. Maybe they handled it incorrectly, but that doesn't give you permission to come talk to me about this now because now you're handling it incorrectly. Go talk to that person. And can I just say something? 
I pray that that's an easier process to do here in this church body where we're loving and humbly submitting one to another like the Bible tells us to. And I am not above that. And I hope and pray you guys all know, I, man, I'm a messed up individual, just like everybody else. And I feel like we are, we're, man, like I want us, I'm not up here preaching at you, I'm preaching to you with me saying, let's do this together. Like let's bring revival about by being real with one another. Let's bring revival about by seeking the Lord and saying time is short. God, I don't care about all the civilian issues that are gonna go away. And next year, all the news stations are gonna be having something else to get us angry about and divided over. What I'm worried about is one thing. If we're gonna divide, let's divide about Jesus. Because I'm praying that Jesus is the hound of heaven that's chasing you and he's gonna win in your heart. And my prayer is, is that if you don't like me because of that, that I love you anyway. And I love you enough to pray for you. And I love you enough to keep turning my cheek when you say offensive things to me. And I love you enough when you treat me rudely. And I love you enough to just tell you, Jesus loves you. And I'm praying with everything in my being that that is true and that you see it through my life to you. And that's unbelievers, you guys. To believers, come on. You're brothers and sisters. You're brothers and sisters. There are times with my family that I'd be like, we are a family. It breaks my heart that you can't love your brother. Who's an idiot sometimes? But guess what? So are you. Love each other. Right? Be encouraged. Let's pray, you guys. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Great Bay Calvary Church in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our services or need prayer for something going on in your life, come connect with us at greatbaycalvary.com. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Great Bay Calvary Church in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our services or need prayer for something going on in your life, Come connect with us at greatbaycalvary.com.